Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. It's good to be here this morning. I have a a new message that I want to share with you. A message that is titled, The Last Trumpet. How many of you heard of that term, the last trumpet? Yay. Are you one of those at every Feast of Trumpets? You're packing and getting ready. Well, this is exactly why this message uh, was uh, basically put together, because we must remember that the last trumpet is something extremely unique for the believers only, for the believers' ears only. And uh, before we go, let's pray, okay? Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. And we ask you right now to sanctify us by your truth. We don't want to hear opinions. We don't want to hear somebody's uh, own thoughts. We want to hear from you. And we want to know everything that we listened to this morning. We don't know that it's based in your word. So, Father, we ask that you will... uh, Speak to us all through your word this morning. And we want truly to understand what the last trumpet is all about. We thank you and we bless you in the name of the Holy One of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me start by reading from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 52. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You know what it means. It means that all of you, this body that you have right now, it will not be able to enter heaven. You can work out five times a day. You can do keto. You can be vegan, whatever. You can eat vegan animals, like I do. (laughs) Still, your body will not enter into the kingdom of God. This body is mortal, is corrupt. This body is sinful body. This is the last thing that has to change in the believer's whole being. We received a new heart, a new spirit. We are new creation, but we're still stuck in this body. How many of you say amen to that? Okay. So the good news is that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. I love when Paul says that 28 times. He mentioned the word mysterion in the Greek in the New Testament, which means the New Testament is not something new in a sense. It is the revelation of so many things that were already given in the Old. 
And that's why it's a mystery. Mystery is something that is being revealed, but it was there, but we never understood it. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What does it mean? When, when we are coming to faith in Christ, death is no longer a word we should use. When a believer dies, let's say, you know, we go out and a car hit us and that's it. We're not dead. We're asleep. Because for the believer, the minute the soul leaves the body, it goes straight to the presence of Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So, not a bad deal. Nobody here is mourning and crying, and you're having the time of your life up there. We miss you, and you say, I don't miss you. <laughs> and so he says, look, not all of us are going to sleep, which means many of you here will not even die, will not even have to die because the rapture will come while you're still alive. So it says... I mean, you don't know if it's you or not. But I'm saying, he says, we shall not all sleep. We shall not all sleep. However, we shall all be changed. So whether you died tomorrow or whether you're still alive when the rapture happens, both the dead in Christ or the ones that are still alive cannot enter the kingdom of God with this body. Okay? So probably you're going to ask me, wait a minute, but if I'm dead, my body is here and I'm there. You're right. Your soul will come back with Jesus and a new body will have to come and merge with your soul in order to be able to reign and rule with him. You understand that? So watch this. He says, all of us will, have to cha will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And look what he says now. At the what? At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. Those that died will be raised incorruptible. You understand? Not a bad deal. And we shall be changed. Wow. And the same thing Paul wrote to the church in Thessaloniki where he said in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 15, for this, way, so for this we say to you, not by my opinion. Paul many times talks about what he thinks. But this is not a case. This is where he says, I'm saying that to you by the word of the Lord. Now, Jesus taught Paul privately. Jesus was with Paul. And so... so this I say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. The Lord himself. Jesus is not going to send one of the angels. He's not going to say, hey, Gabe, go and get them. No. The Lord himself. That's why it, it says, it's the Lord himself will descend, which means where is he right now? He's in heaven. He has to descend. 
The Lord himself will descend from where? Heaven. With what? A shout. With whose voice? The voice of an archangel. And with whose trumpet? The trumpet of God. You must understand that. This is not a regular thing. This is in the heavenly realm. There's going to be a great shout. There's going to be a sound, a voice of an archangel. There will be the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be what? Say that word. Caught up. The Greek word, harpazo. The Latin word, rapturo. Hence, rapture. Well, the rapture is not in the Bible. Yeah, the Bible was not written in English. <laughs> Go to the Greek, it's there. Harpazo. And then he says, And thus we shall always, say the word always, always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So what is the purpose of a trumpet? First of all, we have to understand there are essentially in the Bible two types of trumpets that are mentioned. One is the ram's horn, the shofar, and the other one is a silver trumpet. These are the only trumpets we know in the scriptures that men used. The silver trumpets, in Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it was told to Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, make, how many? Two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. These are two silver trumpets. That's not the ram's horn, the shofar that was used later on in other cases such as Take a look at Jericho's conquest in Joshua 6. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of what? Ram's horns. Before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. Remember the seven and seven? We talked about it with the seven trumpet. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. So the shofar is something that people can use. The silver trumpet was something that only was used in the temple or in the tabernacle for announcing something extremely important. Throughout the Bible, by the way, a trumpet is used to call someone or something to attention. It signals that something significant is about to happen. And that's what it's all about. We also find an interesting use of trumpets, as in Gideon's story in Judges 7. He divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers, and he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 
Wow, Gideon, suddenly he's a very, very, I, I would say, uh, someone who, is, who has some guts. You know, remember, he then never thought that he can do anything. He was uh, threshing the wheat in the wine press. He was a very fearful man. He did that which should be done on the hilltop in a cave. He was so afraid of the kings that came to park right in the valley to take all the crops of the, Israel, of the uh, Israelites. And it's very interesting, you know, this is, this is the foundation of a lot of what the Israeli army is doing today. When I was in the officers' academy in, in, in the IDF years ago, um, the training to become an officer is in a very large base in the heart of the Negev Desert, in the center of the desert in southern Israel. And um, there is a big courtyard in the heart of the base. In that courtyard, no one is allowed to step on it unless you reach to the ceremony, the graduation ceremony. And during that ceremony, you can actually that's where the ceremony is held. This is where we parade. This is where the whole thing is going on. In other words, for the four months that you are doing the training, and that's not the end of the training. You're not getting your officer's rank there. You're just getting your commander pin right here when you graduate there. And it's interesting because uh, throughout all those four months, if you are going to be caught stepping on, in that courtyard, they'll kick you up. This is it. So you're saying, why? I mean, it's not that bad. Well, you know, if you cannot keep yourself away from a place that you're told not to uh, be in, then you probably will do the same thing in a minefield, you know? Um, and therefore, and, and why am I mentioning that? Because right above this courtyard, there's a Bible verse. And the Bible verse is from Judges 7. Look at me and do likewise. Because this is the way the Israeli military operates. The commander is always leading. And the soldiers need to see the commander and do likewise. You understand? Unlike some armies, like Napoleon's army, when he would be on a horse on a hilltop and watch all of his soldiers um, getting killed, um, our commanders are heading all the way uh, to the battle and the soldiers know there is a commander and whatever he does that's what I need to do. It's interesting how the shofar was used here even to deceive the enemy. In Jeremiah chapter 6 it says, O you children of Benjamin gather yourself to flee from the midst of Jerusalem blow the trumpets in Tekoa and set up a signal fire in Beth HaKerem for disaster appears out of the north and great destruction. Trumpet is here to warn of a great disaster that is, a, that is a, uh, coming over, that is approaching. And that is how we should easily understand Ezekiel's famous verses from chapter 33 about a watchman. He says, again, the, sword of the, Lord, the, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, how do you make somebody a watchman? You bring him on a high point to see that which you cannot see. That's what makes him a watchman. He's watching over the enemy's territory. He can tell what's coming. And then he says, when 
they make, uh, they make him their watchman. When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him, his blood shall be on his own head. You understand? The, the, the trumpet here is used to warn the people. A watchman is blowing a trumpet to warn his fellow brothers and sisters that a danger is approaching. Now, if he's not blowing the trumpet as a watchman, and if he's not warning them as a watchman, their blood are, is on, on his hand. But if he warned them and yet they did not take heed, then it's on theirs. Amos 3.6, if a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? This is in case a danger is coming, of course. If there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? So you see that this is a physical calamity that is approaching. But Paul was also using this analogy to talk about spiritual readiness. And in 1 Corinthians 14.8, he says, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? In other words, if we as believers are not a certain sound of a trumpet, how can anyone will be prepared for any battle? How can we tell the world that the state of the world is so bad that they need a Messiah if we are not a reflection of him? So let's try to understand, so what is the last trumpet? We must establish that many times, many times the same word is used in several different contexts. And, and I hate it when people see one thing and they immediately jump to a conclusion without seeing the big picture, without, without looking into the context in which that was written. Just because the same word is used does not mean it, the meaning remains the same. Context determines what's being communicated. In fact, sometimes in the same chapter, by the way, the same word will be used in multiple ways, in multiple meanings. I'll give you an example. The word elect, electos in the Greek, it is referring in the, in the, in the uh, Gospels, sometimes for Israel and sometimes for the church. For example, in chapter 24 of Matthew, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, where is the abomination of desolation going to be? In the temple courts. What city? Salt Lake City? No, it's going to be in Jerusalem. So we're talking about a specific statue that is going to be in the temple courts, that is going to be in Jerusalem. You're talking about, let him who understand, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, speaking to specific people in a specific geographical area, in a specific time period, when the Antichrist is now ruling, and then he says that him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything of this house. Let him who is in the field not go back and get clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And I pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the... Why would he write it to Gentiles? Sabbaths are not for the Gentiles anyway. So you see, this whole portion is... Jesus is telling his disciples of the things that will happen to Israel during the tribulation. And he says, not only that, he says, for, for then there will be a great tribulation, he says. 
such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. And, and if you want to understand the, the, con the context, you can also, and it's not in my, uh, in my uh, PowerPoint, but you can clearly see Daniel chapter 12 says the following thing regarding the great tribulation. And uh, at the time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, of Israel. And then he said, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since, it, since there was a nation, even to that time. Same exact phrase that Matthew is using. Such has never been uh, uh, before. And you can clearly see that he says, No, nor ever shall since the beginning of the world, no shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. And that means that Israel will be gone. And that is why he says, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And if you try to understand, what do you mean the elect's sake? Well, Zechariah says, for the return of Jesus, the Jews must be there in Jerusalem. And so I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and then they will look on me whom they pierce. Jesus cannot come back to earth and rule for a thousand years without Israel still being alive, being in Jerusalem, crying out for him to come. This is exactly what he said. Jerusalem, you will not see me again until you say, Baruch Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So the Jews must have some remnant in order to receive Jesus as he comes back. And therefore, the sake of the elects, in Matthew 24, in the fourth, first portion, is speaking about Israel. But isn't that interesting? Elect is also the church. We are the chosen people as well. Chosen generation. Holy nation. And take a look at this. Matthew 24, the same chapter. We continue. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give light. And the stars will fall from heaven and powers of heaven will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Because there is a big tribe in heaven. Hello? Us. And then he says, And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power, great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a, that's a different trumpet, because this, this trumpet, gathering together his elect from the four winds, from where? From one end of heaven to the other. When the time of Jesus to return to earth comes, he's going to gather with another sound of trumpet all of us from all the sides of heaven to return with him. And that's why Zechariah 14, 5, latter part of that verse says, Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. Are you happy? Yeah. Now watch this. So many believers 
every feast of trumpet, write me an email asking me if this is the time of the, of the rapture. I would be a billionaire if I knew when the time of the rapture is. Second, I will also be a great deceiver. Because no one knows the day or the hour. And you must understand something very, very crucial about the festivals of Israel. Every year when the Feast of Trumpet approaches, people are, indeed are excited, but the feasts were instituted for Israel. They belong to Israel, and they will remain for Israel. They get a new meaning when Jesus came, of course. But who is still celebrating them? Israel. Who, is the, who has those festivals in its DNA and its calendar every year? Israel. The Feast of Trumpet, therefore, will find its fulfillment in relations to Israel, not the church. Which means, when Leviticus says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, The Feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Not only that they were the feasts appointed for Israel, trumpets were not only blown once a year in the Feast of Trumpets, if you lived in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, and you were at the time where the Temple Mount was still standing, when the temple was there, you would also notice that on the southwestern, on southeastern, no, southwestern corner of the Temple Mount, there was a little niche where the priest would stand with a real trumpet. How do we know? Because we found that niche and we found the Hebrew inscription on it. 2,000 years old that says, Lebeit Hatkiah, to the house of trumpeting. And in those days, the trumpeting was done every time a Sabbath was approaching or a holiday was approaching. You understand that? For the Jews. The reason, by the way, why it's the southwestern corner, because this is the corner that faces most of the inhabitants of the city. And they used to blow the trumpets seven different times. The first time is to get the attention of the people who work far in the field to start making their way back to the city. The second one is the people that are closer to the city. Okay, now it's your turn. Start making your way. The third one is the people that are right outside the walls. Okay, enter into the city. The fourth one is the people that are within the city walls, make your way to your house. The fifth one is the people inside the houses, make sure you're getting ready because once the sixth one is coming, you need to be completely ready because after the seventh one, it's over. It's amazing. Up until today, when the Sabbath is about to enter, there's a siren that goes off in Jerusalem. You hear it. And nobody thinks it's an air raid siren or something. <laughs> air raid siren goes up and down. Ooh. No, the, the Sabbath one is ooh, for about a, a minute or so. Everybody knows Sabbath has begun. That's it. Modern days of using the trumpet, I guess. <laughs> when it comes to Israel and the world, every eye will see him as he returns. You have to understand the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets for Israel is when he will return with us and every eye will see and every, t every knee will bow. This is when the Feast of Trumpets will be fulfilled. And by the way, 
We know when it's going to happen. Guess when? At the end of the tribulation. He returns to earth. We know exactly from the moment the tribulation begins. And how do you know when the tribulation begins? Who has to rise into power in order to begin the seven years tribulation? The Antichrist. Daniel says in chapter 9 that when the Antichrist will rise, this is the beginning of the last week of the 70 weeks that were determined for who? For Israel. It's about Israel. The tribulation is for Israel's salvation, just so you understand. And so when the Antichrist rises to begin the tribulation, Jesus Christ is coming to end it. Exactly two times 1260 days. Exactly seven years, biblical years. Exactly 84 months. You, you understand, we know the months, the weeks, the years, the days of the tribulation. The Bible tells us. The only thing we don't know anything about, we don't know the date. And it's for us, not for the world. It's for us. It's the rapture. No one knows the day or the hour. It's interesting. See, we are not instructed in the Bible to wait for the Feast of Trumpets. We are instructed to eagerly wait for him every day. The Bible says, look how many verses I'm going to read to you about eagerly waiting. Romans 8:19. for the earnest expectation of the creation, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Romans 8:23. not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. That's the rapture, the redemption of our body, because the soul is already redeemed. We are the redeemed of the Lord already. But our body, look at you. I mean, it's called lowly body. It's called a tent. You know, we need a new one. And the Bible says in Romans 8.25, if we hope for what we do not see, we what? Eagerly wait for it with perseverance. 1 Corinthians 1.7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.5, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also, what? Eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who, what? Eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for the salvation of this lowly body. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, for I am already being poured. Poor, Paul is at the very end of his life. These are the last words he writes anyone. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought. This is the first time Paul is using past tense. He's been a great fighter, a great race runner. He's a wonderful faith keeper. But look what he's saying here. He knows I can see the finish line for me. And he says, I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. It's all past tense. And now he says, there laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He says, it's there for me. However, 
Look what he adds. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, not at the day that I'm, uh, I'm dead, on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Which means all of us who throughout our life have loved his appearing, we're eagerly waiting for him to come. When we reach that moment of the beamer seat, we will receive that crown of righteousness. Wow. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. So... Come, Lord Jesus. We, we are waiting for him to come. John finishes this amazing book of Revelation, chapter 22, with those words. Now, I'm going to tell you where most Christians make a big mistake about the trumpet. And this is re in relation to the judgment trumpets. See, they think, oh, it's the last trumpet? Okay, it has to be the judgment trumpet. Really? Is that why Paul mentioned anything about the tribulation in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 or in 1 Thessalonians 4 when he spoke about the rapture? Absolutely not. Look, you have to understand, and I show that uh, when we were in the conference. Look at this table just to understand what we're looking at. The judgments of God throughout those seven years will be divided to three sets, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. There is nothing good there, trust me. It's all judgment. War, famine, death. And you're talking about pestilences. You're talking about the sun scourging people. You're talking about horrible things. You understand? The first trumpet, the judgment on planet life, the first angel surrounding says, Hail, fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. Can you, I mean, uh, can you imagine the islands in Hawaii without any green? Can you imagine Ohio without anything green? Ladies and gentlemen, and that's just the first. Second one, a second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. A lot of people think it's a huge asteroid. It's like a, he, he doesn't know how to call it. He says it looks like a great mountain, but it's thrown, it's with fire and it's thrown down to the sea. And a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ship were destroyed. Guys, we don't see that. This is not now. This is the great tribulation. It's not for us. This is a horrific thing that is going to befall this world as God's judgment upon this world. The, 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 the third trumpet is talking about how great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water, and the name of the star, Warmud, and a third of the waters became Warmud, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. The water were contaminated. The water on planet Earth were not even drinkable. You understand what we're talking about? And it's not because, oh, there was a, a chemical factory somewhere around that was released. No, this is God's judgment from a star that is going to fall. Fourth trumpet. 
The fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them were darkened and a third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. We are in heaven. It's the inhabitants of earth that are going to suffer that. Because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. What is he saying? He's saying all these trumpets are terrible for the people here. The trumpet judgment relate only to the inhabitants of the earth. There is no statement about the bride because she's not on earth. And I'm going to skip the fifth and the sixth and the seventh to go directly to the fact that these trumpets are all pertained to the tribulation. And concerning the tribulation, we know from Daniel, from Matthew, and also from Revelation, exactly how many days, weeks, months, and years it will be. When Daniel gave us the last week, this prophetic week is made of seven lunar years. Seven lunar years are made of 84 months. 84 months of 360 days, because lunar year is 360, not 365. You guys messed it up. I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's 25, 20 days. And so when the Bible talks about 1260 days that Israel was in the desert, it's exactly the latter part of the tribulation. We know the number of days, the weeks, the months, the years. Now, why is it... So important, because if you are of the persuasion of a mid-trib or a post-trib rapture, imminency of the Lord's appearing is removed from the picture. He is going to appear at an hour we do not expect. The Bible says in Matthew 24, in 42 to 44, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Who is the master of this world? Who is the Lord of this world? Who is the God of this age? Satan. Satan. If Satan knew the day of the rapture, he would have not allowed it. He would have caused a lot of... Look what he said. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect, he says. Watch therefore in Matthew 25. For you know not, neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Luke 12.40. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So this is exactly the point. If you are ready at all time, if you are eagerly waiting for him to come, you don't need to know exactly the hour, do you? You don't set an alarm clock. Um, um, on, take your iPhone, 12.45, rapture. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think if... What if the Bible said that in, in the year 2022, on May 13, the rapture will take place? 2023, let's say. All of you will be in Vegas until then. <laughs> the fact that we don't know the day keeps us pure, keeps us holy, keeps us waiting, keeps us, keeps us holy. That's the nature of humans. If they know a point, 
they just lose it before it. You know when you celebrate Christmas. Have you seen yourself in the two weeks before Christmas? You look like you lost your mind. So when we talk about these things, we must understand always to, to, to not take things out of context. So let, let's try to understand for whom this whole last trumpet is all about. Look what Paul basically said. He said, for this way, say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive remain until the coming of the Lord. We will by no means precede those who are asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ. Dead in Christ means believers. And then we who are alive and remain, we, the living believers, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. It's all about us, those who passed away and those who are still alive. This is not for the world. It is for the church. John was also told, and, and if you read the book of Revelation, and I really hope that you guys will get this new book that I, we just came out with, with Revealing Revelation, because it's a simple journey through all those 22 chapters, and it really, it's not a deep theological commentary that only Bible scholars understand. This is for all of us. And this is, you understand, the fourth chapter when John was called up, this is a picture of the rapture. Because from right after, the description of tribulation begins and the church is not mentioned even once. And look what the Bible says about John. He says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open where? In heaven. John was here and the door was in heaven. Open and the first voice which I heard was what? Like a trumpet. Speaking with me, saying, what? Come up here. Caught up. I will show you things which, what? Must. The, 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 the tribulation is not a suggestion. It's not, let me tell you what may happen. No. What must take place, when? After this. Look, we are the restraining element because the Holy Spirit is not upon us, it's in us. Do you understand the difference? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's a down payment of what's coming next. So as long as we're here, the tribulation cannot start. Why? Because the Bible says that the Antichrist can be revealed only when the restrainer is taken out of the way. Come up and I will show you things which must take place after this, he said. What must take place? And it's interesting because the Bible says, For the Lord himself will, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. This is all in the heavenlies. This is not... Anything the world will hear, the world will understand, the world will take note of, nothing. It's all about us. The Bible, you know, it is the trumpet of God. It's not the trumpet of man. It's not the shofar. It's not anything else. 
It's not even the trumpet of an angel. And the Bible says that the trumpet of the rapture is connected to the voice of an archangel. Everything is in the celestial realm. It's not here. Let, let, let me paint it in a, in a better, better picture. When we return with him, the Jews will blow the trumpet on the Feast of Trumpet, and the whole world will see him returning with us. But when we go up, nobody will see us. We'll be gone like that. All the excitement is not going to be here. Nobody will be excited that, that, oh, wow, look, there's a rapture. No. They'll probably say, God ridden. I mean, that's it. They're out of here. Finally, let's party. Guys, guess who is excited? No, no, no. Of course we are because it's us. But who is excited for our rapture? Heaven is expecting us. There is going to be a celebration in heaven. Heaven is preparing for the coming of the sons and the daughters. It's amazing. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. When will that happen? We, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us, talk to me, from the wrath to come. Not through the wrath, but from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 5, 9 to 10, for God did not appoint us to what? Wrath. That's why we're not be, going to be here. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We do not have any appointment with, with wrath. This is not for us. Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you what? From, not through, the hour of what? Trial which shall Come upon who? Upon the whole world to test who? Those who dwell on the earth. Why is he making that distinction? Because there are going to be those that are going to be in heaven. While we do not know the day or the hour, we do know that he will take us to be with him before he pours out his wrath. So we must remember these are things that will happen and we must comfort one another with these words. We shall be caught up together with those who died before us in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, Comfort one another with these words. We must be with him in order to return with him, in order to rule and reign with him. You understand? I don't understand those people who believe in the post-tribulation rapture. Uh, what is it? God is beating us up, then takes us as a bungee jump and throws us back. I mean, what's the point? 
I mean, I always liken the, the free, mid, and post to rare, medium, and well done. How do you want to get to heaven? Well done? Smoked? Titus 2, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious... Every time we hear the word appearing, it's, he appears in the sky. It's not for the world, because the second coming of Jesus on earth is not appearing, it's second coming. Appearing is when he appears in the clouds for us. This is the blessed hope that we have. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. What's the point of going and preparing a place for you if I'm not going to come back and take you? He's like, hello? He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, hello, I will come again and what? Receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Where is he? In heaven. We are the ones to change address. Jesus did not say, well, in your father's house there's many mansions. And, and, and you are now going to prepare a place for me. And if you prepare a place for me, then you will receive me unto yourself. So where you are, I will also be. He didn't say that. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come back to receive you, so where I am, there you will also be. We change address, not him. We are not here to prepare this world for the second coming. The world is going so crazy that at a certain point, God will say enough is enough, and he takes us out of here. It is not related to something arriving to earth the last trumpet, the trumpet of God is rather our welcoming into the Lord's presence. We are not to wait for a trumpet to sound on earth to indicate when we're being raptured into heaven. In fact, we're supposed just to look up. Luke 21, verse 28. Now in these Things begin to happen. Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. If then you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. What are the things above? Where he is. With, where we're going to have the Bema seat, the rapture, the Bema seat, the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the things you need to think about. He says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears. Ta-da! Remember that word? Then you also will appear with him in glory. With Israel back in the land, God has, try, has been trying to get the attention of the believers. Remember the seven sets of trumpeting? 
Remember from that corner of the, of, the, of the Temple Mount? God, and why is it called the last trumpet? Because God has been trying to get the attention of the church. Ladies and gentlemen, Israel is back in the land. Um, uh, 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 he brought, he prepared the land, brought back the people, revived the language, sustained them through wars, prospered them, gave them their capital back, made enemies jealous. All of that, these are trumpets signaling the believers to get ready. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. And that's why it says the last trumpet. I've been trying to get your attention. God has been doing things. He was on the move. Let he who has eyes see, let he who has ears hear what the Spirit has to say. The world will not see it. The world will not understand it. The believers must. And I will conclude with this. The last trumpet signals God welcoming us into heaven. And it will be very, very soon. Yeah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, we thank you for all the trumpets that were already sounded in heaven and all the manifestations of it on earth. And we thank you that we are the generation that see the victory coming back to life. We thank you that we can clearly see those things and that we are indeed eagerly waiting for your appearing in the clouds. We thank you, Father, that we do not know the day or the hour, but Father, you told us that you will reveal to us the, the times and the seasons, and we definitely see that this is it. Father, we, we, we are grateful that you do not hide your plans from your children, but you declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that is either watching or online or is sitting right here that has not yet given his life to you, I pray that this morning he will hear that sound of trumpets. It's not yet the last one because the last one, it's, it's over. But he will hear the sound of the trumpet of God saying, repent. Turn around. Accept Yeshua, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior. Understand that you cannot save yourself by your own deeds. Receive the free gift of salvation through faith and faith alone. Become a new creation. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get a new heart and new spirit. And eagerly wait for the return of Jesus to take us. I pray, Father, that if anyone has acknowledged his need to repent, that you do your job. And that you will enter into his heart and dine with him. I thank you and I bless you in the name of the Holy One of Israel, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, who died as the Lamb of God but shall return as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We thank you in the name of Yeshua and all of God's people say, Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfatu, founder and president of Behold Israel. 
Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available in Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.